All right. Well, they're taking the offering. Um, I'd like to uh, read uh, that, you know, we've had the election. There's been a lot of brouhaha about that. And uh, uh, my friend Russell Johnson is a pastor. He's a pastor in Snohomish at a church called The Pursuit. And that's a cool name for a church, isn't it? The Pursuit. And so he's the pastor there. And uh, he sent this out to us and said that if we uh, wanted to, we could share it with our congregation. So I'd like to like to do that. Now, to give you some insight on Russell, he was in politics uh, before he was in ministry. He's a young guy, but he was uh, recruited very early in life uh, to be in Washington. He worked with lobbyists and all kinds of stuff, and he was incredibly good and brilliant at it. And then in the midst of all that, he felt called by the Lord to get out of that and go into the ministry. And so he um, writes this. He says, I think it helps to add a little perspective to the collective meltdown that many are having after the Trump election. If it's helpful, he says, please share this with your congregation. So he says, all right, this will shock some of you, but here it goes. He says, I simply cannot support a U.S. president who has been unfaithful to his wife multiple times, friendly with dictators, flunked basic classes in college, threatened to lock up immigrants in camps, has a terrible relationship with minority voters, has the support of the actual KKK, wants to centralize power unto himself, and whose administration will bring about a world war. And this is why I cannot support Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Democrat president, four terms, hashtag never support Franklin. (laughs) And here's what he's saying. He says, see, friends, we've been here before. He says, I'm not attempting to compare FDR to Trump except to say we have an incredible ability to gloss over the sin of people we admire while magnifying the sin of people we despise. Isn't that true? That's a profound statement by by Russell. He says, there seems to exist a myth that America has a track record of electing morally superior people to the office of president when the reality is actually much different. He says, my goal is not to defend Trump's misdeeds, but to provide a little perspective on where we've been as a nation. Trump's election was a repudiation of the elites in both parties, Democrat and Republican. Many in America feel as if they aren't being listened to anymore, like their country is slipping away right in front of them. This election served as a referendum on the political class. They have been weighed and found wanting. He says, our response today is the same as it has ever been. Pray for those who are in leadership above us and believe that the same God who used Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, Xerxes, Nero, Nixon, Carter, Bush, and Obama will probably use Trump too. He says, just a guess. Don't subscribe also, he says, to the chicken little thinking. The sky is not falling, the church is not crumbling, and the country will survive. What we need now more than ever is a church who is known not for her political opinion, but for her love. I thought that was also excellent. In response to a Trump presidency, it is the same as it would be if it was for a Clinton presidency. 1 Timothy 2, 1-2 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And finally, he writes, unity does not presuppose unanimity. Some of you may be excited this week as you consider a Trump presidency. Others of you will shudder in disgust. In this church, it's okay to differ in political opinion, but today, let's concentrate on something we can all agree on. Jesus is Lord, his church will advance, and his kingdom is coming. 
And I thought that was just really articulate and well stated. And so I just share that with you. I think we've been given a great responsibility. If you think about what's our responsibility, our responsibility is to pray. Right? And uh, we've been uh, placed in that by the Lord in this culture. And so I want to encourage us as a church to continue uh, to pray that way. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. It's the holiday season, right? I don't know about your family, but weird things are popping up in our house. Like it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and certain Christmas things are already manifesting themselves in certain places. And um, and Christmas shows are showing up on our TV, and they're being saved, and music's starting to pop out, and is that, it's just a it's a terrible thing. And uh, Right? Any of you there, right? It's already starting to happen. You're getting in the holiday spirit and it's starting to roll. And uh, that's that's happening in our, our family as well. And uh, it's also the time of year when most of the major appeals go out for what used to be called charity. Uh, that's an old word. We don't use that word much anymore. But charity simply means uh, meeting the needs of those who are less fortunate. And it's also true for us here at Norfolk as well. Every year at this time, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, it wraps around that, um, we take what is called a thank offering. And what a thank offering is, is it's an offering given out of just sheer thankfulness. And so what we do is, if you go through that door right there by the sound booth and look on the wall, uh, it highlights all the ministries and missionaries that we support here uh, as a church at Northview. And if you go and look at that, you'll see all bunch. What we do is we grab one of those every year. We don't even tell them. And we just take an offering for them. And then we just send them the money and say, hey, we've been thinking about you, praying about you. And we took an offering on Thanksgiving just for your ministry. And we have gotten uh, the most amazing responses back. Um, People literally in tears, just so blown away that they were being thought of and they didn't even know it was happening. So it's been a really fun thing that we do. And uh, we're going to do that again this year. Um, And uh, and. So we're in the midst of two opportunities that we're going to lay out for you this morning. Uh, one you've, you've heard about, you know about, we've been talking about it. That's the step-by-step banquet that we'll be hosting uh, December 3rd. So that's less than two weeks now. So it's go time, right? And so, so if it hasn't been on your radar screen yet, now's the time to get it on your radar screen. And then the second will be the launching and support of Scott and Noel Hardaway, along with their sons, Jared. By the way, happy birthday to Jared. He turned 11 on Tuesday and his brother Caleb, as they prepare to do missions work in the Finisterre Mountains of Papua New Guinea. And so we're going to look at at both of those this morning. We uh, have been and are going to be asked again by our Lord Jesus to be sacrificially generous uh, towards these causes and for the sake of his kingdom. And I just want to say I have great praise and thankfulness for you as a congregation. Uh, You have been and continue to be sacrificially generous uh, both in your giving towards Norfolk, this ministry, keeping this all going, but then also in all the other missions that God has linked us with and that we're in partnership with. And so, like, I don't know if you walked in, but did you notice all the food stacked up around the counter this morning already? And we'll, we'll take a look at some of that and, and do some things. But let's pray again uh, this morning as we head towards this. Father, when it comes to sacrificial generosity, it means a couple things. One, it's going to cost us. And two, it comes from a want-to attitude. And as we walk through this morning, I don't know what you'll call people to, but I'm sure you're going to call all of us to something. And may we respond with an open heart with that. And we seek you for that this morning. It's been a good two services. This is the third. May you be at work in the same way as the first two. We ask this in your name. 
Amen. All right. So let's start with Scripture first and where we get this uh, from. So if you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is where we'll be working from. You can look along there. It's also up on the screen. In 2 Corinthians, um, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church about an offering that had been promised. And he says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now, let's back up a a little bit and pull that apart. So he's saying that he's using the churches of Macedonia as an example for the Corinthian church. And when we think of the churches of Macedonia, you say, well, who are those churches? You know them quite well. The first church was found in Philippi, right? We would know that as a letter was written to the book of Philippians, right? So there was Philippi. And then the second church is the church in Thessalonica. We also have two letters to the church in Thessalonica. It's called First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, that you find in your Bible. And then the third one is the church in Berea. We don't have any New Testament letters to the church in Berea. Uh, The letters for Thessalonica were passed over to Berea. And so you have those three churches, the Philippi church, the Thessalonica church, and the Berea church. And these are the churches that Paul's talking about. And what we know from these churches from previous studies that we've done is that these churches uh, didn't have it easy. They uh, had suffered... Uh, quite a bit of persecution. They were persecuted churches and that many of them had lost their homes and their livelihood and were just trying to land on their feet um, in the process of going through all that. So it, it wasn't the best of circumstances. And what Paul says then, he says, in their extreme affliction and poverty, you can understand some of that, right? They didn't have the best of circumstances when it came to taking this offering that had been promised. And the offering that had been promised was there was a famine in Jerusalem. And so word went out among the churches and many of the churches promised to give an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. And what Paul was doing is sending out uh, Titus and Timothy and Silas to these different churches to make sure that the promised offerings actually materialized and took place. And so Paul's now talking to the Corinthian church about the Macedonian church. And Paul said that what became apparent from the Macedonian churches, and a deep blessing to him, was their extreme joy. That's not something you normally think of with persecuted people, right? Is joy, uh, people in tough circumstances. And he says the second thing is their generosity. The two things that stood out to Paul from this offering that came from the Macedonian churches was their joy and their generosity. Paul says that they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, for their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In other words, Paul was saying, I don't know how they gave what they gave. It was way beyond what you could have expected a group like that to give. How in the world did they pull that off? Right? He's really blessed by this attitude that comes from these group of churches. And he says, and they begged us. They didn't just ask. They begged us to please, can we play a part in that offering for the saints in Jerusalem. And Paul's kind of thinking to himself, you have nothing to start with yourselves. We don't care. That's all right. 
And uh, if you've ever been on missions trips, you've experienced this. I've had the privilege to do a number of missions trips. Uh, most of mine have been down either in Canada or uh, Mexico. Canada is a mission field. And um, no, no, no laughter on that. Okay, no, come. You guys are slow this morning. Come on. And uh, but in Mexico, um, we would go down, and one of the things that would happen is you would find people talking to the missionary, saying, "We would like to have the." The, the Americans over. We want to have the American missionaries come over to our house. And it was amazing because um, th- they would put out this food and you'd eat this meal and you'd be really grateful and then you realize that was all the food they had for a month. They had nothing else left for the rest of the month. That was it. Uh, the most stark example that I can remember of that is we went down and we were building houses. Houses is uh, a relative term. Uh, they were garden shacks, 10 by 12 garden shacks, but they made fantastic homes for the people down there. And so we were building homes and we came up to this one site and there was a blue tarp covering material. And we said, okay, there's the material for the shed and we'll get started on it. Well, that when we pulled the tarp back, there wasn't lumber and plywood and things like that under there. That was a mom and eight kids came out of a hole that they had dug this hole put a beam, they'd found this old beam put across, put a tarp, and then they had rocks on the edge of the tarp, and that's where they lived. We were building a home for them. And uh, when we finished the house, the mom wept and wept and wept, and then she wanted us to come back, and she wanted to feed us dinner. And so when we got back, she made tortillas, and they were really good tortillas, okay? Trust me, I'd like never eaten before. But she put on the spread for us. It was about five people. And, and she just thanked us over and over. And, and you realize this woman has nothing. Yeah, she's got nothing. And we knew she couldn't afford that. So we slipped money <coughs> to our missionary so he could get it back so she would have food for the rest of the month because that was probably all she had uh, for her and her kids. They didn't have anything left. But the attitude is amazing. Because the joy that that woman had of feeding us that meal was like you would have sworn, you know, we were kings. You would have sworn we were royalty with how she responded to that. And the privilege of thanking us for being able to serve us a meal when it should have been the other way around. We were trying to thank her for the meal. She saw it as just this incredible opportunity for her to do something she might never be able to do again in her life is meet American missionaries who cared enough to come and build her a house, right? And uh, you think, gee, I would have liked to build a whole lot more for her than just that. That was quite a, quite a thing. So, but this is the, the, it says, Paul said, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. That These Macedonian churches had that kind of attitude that we're talking about. In other words, don't try and stop us. We've got to be a part of this, right? And, uh, and what did it mean to be a part of this? Well, let's take the following verses, go 5 through 7. For the offering of saints, and this, not as we expected, something surprised Paul. It says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So Paul's now swung the example. That's the Macedonian church. Now, Corinthian church, Titus is there. We want you to follow through on what you promised. 
so that he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now there's an important sequence here that I think we can pick up on. The principle is first you give yourselves to the Lord and then second by God's will, you give yourselves to the ministry that God has called to, called you to. That's what he points out here. First they gave themselves to the Lord and then by God's will they gave themselves to Paul and his ministry. And Paul said he was really surprised. They saw it as a holy calling of which it was a privilege to participate in and not one to be missed regardless of the present circumstances. In other words, they saw it as a get-to, not a have-to. I've used that language a lot here over the years. There's an important principle laid out. When it comes to sacrificial generosity, one must first give themselves to the Lord. And if you think about that, that really makes sense. Because ask yourself, is there anything you can really give to the Lord? I mean, is he in dire, desperate need, uh, the... God who has a cattle on a thousand hills, is there anything he actually needs from us? No. What's he really looking for? What's he really looking for is that we would give ourselves to him. That is the greatest gift you can give God. And you say, God, what do you want from me? Great question. You know what the answer is? Yes, I do. I want you. I want you. Would you give me your heart? And that is just foundation point number one. Um, So many times we get caught in a works-based kind of picture where we have to work our way and earn our way and give God things so that he'll be pleased with us and then he'll accept us. Where grace is completely opposite, he's already accepted us. What does he want? He wants your heart. What could I do for God? Give him your heart. What does he want from me? He wants you. That's the first principle. That's what so jumped out at Paul about these churches in Macedonia. Submit myself, that means submit myself to his cause and to his purposes. At the men's retreat, Coach Weary was speaking and uh, he called it getting recalibrated. And what he meant by that was, he said, look, it's not like most of us are apostate and, and way off base. It's not like we've got to build a new foundation. It's not like we aren't moving or not like even we haven't been moving. He says nine times out of ten for the Christian life, He was talking about men in this instance. He says it really means you just need to get recalibrated. And what he meant by recalibrated is re-lined up so that you know you're aiming at the target that is the target the Lord has for you. He says, you ever felt out of line? You ever felt out of sync with the Lord? You're close, but you're just off by a little bit? And he said, that's what you need the Holy Spirit for is to get you to recalibrate so that you're in line, back on track, on target with what God has for you and then once you get lined up it becomes obvious um, what you're supposed to aim at so in the case of the macedonian churches what they did is they first gave themselves to the lord and then they said okay we're going to participate in this offering even though it's sacrificial even though it's going to cost us we're going to give to the jerusalem church because they got it worse than we have it and we ain't in any great shakes but we're better shaped than they are And in this particular case, all these churches not only benefited uh, from Paul's ministry, if you think about the Macedonian churches, they benefited greatly from his ministry. And therefore, they had a debt of love and a debt of gratitude that was owed to Paul. And they were going to make good on it no matter what the difficult circumstances were. When they thought of their difficult circumstances 
and where and how it might hinder them from giving. And right, difficult circumstances keep us from giving. Uh, you can always come up with, well, there's this and this and this. You ever try to say we're going to give to something, then all of a sudden the car breaks down, the washing machine goes out, and the roof leaks, and you know the cat dies, and all kinds of stuff can happen, right? And uh, well, the cat dying might not be deprivation, but the other ones are, all right? And um, what they were saying is that um, when they thought about their circumstances, all they had to do was think about what did it cost Paul to minister to them. And when they thought about it, how difficult it was, all they had to do was remind themselves of what Paul had gone through and the fact that they wouldn't even exist to churches if Paul hadn't done that. And think about what Paul went through. The Philippian church, remember in Philippi, he was unfairly thrown in jail, falsely accused, was flogged. Within an inch of his life, thrown in a jail, they were singing. Remember he and Silas? Earthquake having popped out. Then he went to Thessalonica and a riot broke out there and they literally tried to kill him. And he fled for his life from Thessalonica to Berea. The Bereans were more noble. They actually looked at scripture to see if what Paul was saying is true. And he uh, went there, but that wasn't good enough for the people in Thessalonica who were mad. They created a mob, came over to Berea and chased them out of Berea. And then Paul wound up in Corinth which is the church of, that these letters have been written to. And so uh, when they thought of that and they looked at what Paul had to go through, um, <clears throat> so what Paul had done then is sent Titus, to, as I said, to collect this promise offering, and Paul didn't want them to fail in this grace of giving. Paul was encouraging them by saying, <clears throat> this is the Corinthian church, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So Paul was calling this sacrificial giving an act of grace that comes from the Lord. Now there's an interesting little twist of words. I don't know if you caught it. I want to read it to you again because it doesn't read the way you would think it is or the way it's supposed to read. You would think it would read like this. Uh, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in your love for us, see that you excel in this act of grace also. But that's not what it says. What does it say? But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you. What's Paul pointing out there? Do you remember how we loved you? Do you remember what we did for you? Do you remember what we went through just to be there with you? Then, if you remember that, excel in this act of grace also. He, Paul flips the image and reminds them of how much, how much they, Paul and his team, loved the Corinthian church. And it, like the Macedonian churches, were reminded of how much it had cost Paul to love them and how grace had been extended to him. Therefore, he finishes with this phrase, excel in the act of grace also. Well, that grace, the act of sacrificial giving, was not just for the Macedonian churches or for the Corinthian churches, but they are for all the churches. That's for us as well. Down through history, every church has leaned into this act of grace, which is sacrificial giving. The ministry of this church supports many other ministries and missions because of your sacrificial generosity. There are all kinds of things going around the globe right now, even as we sit here in church, that you may not even know about that are happening because you as a church family sacrificially give towards them. 
And again, I just want to tell you that I'm incredibly proud and humbled to be the shepherd of a group that is so full of faith and, and demonstrates this grace of giving in a living and intangible ways. It is a delight to pastor because you guys go the extra mile. And you need to know that. So as we're talking about this, let's uh, look at uh, two opportunities where we can excel in this grace. So the first one that we've been talking about mentioning is uh, the step-by-step banquet that's coming up. Less than two weeks. Here we go. Pam last week got up and did her nice Pam announcement, and she's so sweet. And, uh, and, and Zach got mad at her because he went, nobody's going to listen to that. So Zach got up and barked at you. It was awesome. Within a half hour after church, everybody committed to giving turkey, cooking turkey breasts. There were so many people that it was full in a half hour. And literally we had 10 people that we had to call back and say, we're sorry, but we have enough people volunteering for that. We don't need any more turkey breasts. Could, could you do something else? And so uh, Zach did a great job of jumping on Pam's announcement and putting a little gusto to that. That was good. Now we still have some other ones here. We have a volunteering for the event and donating food and items. One of the things of volunteering for the event that we still have a critical need for is table hosts. What a table host does is a table host meets with a family out there in the lobby, comes in here. This will all be tables, right? The round tables with decorations and tablecloth. You eat a meal with them, and then you walk upstairs with them, take them to the toy room, and they pick out a toy for their son or daughter. Then you go across to the slot car racing, and yes, dads, you can slot car race. And uh, by the way, uh, this name might be familiar, but Steve Stoffer is the one putting the slot car race together this year. So we're excited. He's Uncle Steve to my kids, and where it's a good thing. And so, and then you, the cookie and the face painting and the pictures, then you come down to the grocery bags and they walk out with their grocery bags. And we need table hosts. And uh, if you have an interest in doing that, we've done this in all three, uh, I want to give you two emails that you can email. First one is going to be, going to throw you because it says amandadowns08 at gmail.com. Uh, she's no longer Amanda Downs. She's now Amanda August because she happened to Mary Brooks, our youth pastor, back in July. And so she's in here turning red, and I said, you know, you really ought to change that. Yeah, 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 whatever. But for this one, she'll still be Amanda Downs. You can email her or Jennifer Savage. That's Jennifer's. They are the two that are making the list up for Pam for who will do the table hosting. And if you want to, just write that down on your bulletin, and you can call them and find out what's needed and what you could do. The other thing that's exciting is... I was astonished because when I walked out to get a drink of water, I saw all the food put around the the welcome desk there. Uh, But often you don't get to see what's going on. So I thought I'd give you a picture of what's going on during the week here. So if you look on the right, that's the closet over there on the other side of the uh, overflow room. And it's being piled up with groceries. That now, if you look to the far right, you see that pile in the corner. That's now all the way up to the top. And with all the other food out there, we're now going to have to find more places to store it. But here's the thing. We need more. All right? So thank you for everything you brought. If you've been thinking about bringing, don't think we've got enough. We're making 125 grocery bags full uh, for people, and so it takes a lot. And then if you look on the left, that's my office. That's an old picture. We took that. uh, When did we take that this week? I don't remember. Wednesday? Uh, That's now so full that you cannot get over the gifts, around the chairs to sit behind my desk. All right? And it's so high that I no longer can use my whiteboard. So there won't be a lot of counseling done the next week. All right? Which is great. I'll take a break. But um, 
it's they've brought in they're piled in and so for the next two weeks my office is just trashed and it's absolutely wonderful okay because here's the thing when you walk around on that saturday and you see these families come in you can say all kinds of things and stuff but when you look at a couple of those kids and you realize those kids should have been abortions and you realize those kids are here that mom made a courageous choice and and she's now trying to walk the long walk of being a parent and and some of those families, right, it's not clean, it's messy. Uh, some are two or three kids. And, you know, you realize, wow, this isn't the, the straightest thing in the whole world. Uh, but you realize that kid's here because that mom made that choice. And we're encouraging that mom in that choice. You walk out going, you know what, that was a significant thing to do. And I, I just want to encourage you, jump in. Your heart will be richly, richly blessed. Thank you for everything you brought. Thank you for everything you will bring. And um, we're looking forward to serving together. It is one of our best body life events that we do here at the church. You come away knowing all kinds of people. If you are on the outside, you're new, you don't feel like you have friends, come to Step by Step. You'll meet all kinds of people at night, walk away going, I I met friends tonight. It's a really great thing. The second opportunity that we have to be sacrificially generous is in the launching and support of Scott Noel and the boys as they prepare uh, for ministry in Papua New Guinea. Here's a picture of the Hardaways in case you go, yes, they go to second service, so you might not know who they are. And uh, they are, you can see there's Papua New Guinea right north of uh, Australia there. And uh, now when it comes to the Hardaways, our support of them will be more intense and of longer duration. We'll probably embrace the sacrificial side on a deeper level over a longer period of time. And therefore, by nature, incur a deeper blessing as well. We're going to walk the long walk with them. They're going to be there not just representing the kingdom, but representing us. They are ours. In other words, this isn't somebody from the outside coming in saying, hey, can you give us money? This is us, one of us, called by God within the body right here saying, you know what? We can go. That's a crazy long way away. Have you noticed that's not close to us? Okay, That's a crazy long way away that's jungle they're going to. And and we're going to go. And what they're saying is, hey, church, do you got our backs? Will you, will you back us? And we're saying, yeah, we, we got your backs. Now, a year and a half ago, Scott shared. How many were here when Scott shared in the summer? Okay, numbers. A lot has happened since then. And so uh, they, Scott's going to be here next Sunday. He and Noel will be up front. They're going to be sharing what's developed in that year and a half, where they are, what needs to be uh, still put together, what their timing is. But uh, this next year is literally go time for them. Uh, so they will be leaving for Papua New Guinea somewhere in November next year-ish, right? Uh, as tighten as you can do that right now, as tighten it down. And um, and so they're now they have to get everything, right? They've got to do their house thing. They've got to do the packing thing. They've got to do the selling thing. And they've got to get stuff that they can use um, when they're there in the jungle in Papua New Guinea. And so... Uh, the hope is, from their side, is that we'll support them and have their backs. Now, what would supporting them look like? Well, when you came in today, did you see the table with the big, cool-looking plant there? Okay, That plant is uh, called a peace ivy. That plant is supposed to be a banana tree because they have banana trees, apparently, in Papua New Guinea. But it's not easy to find banana trees in the northwest in November. Okay, I was, they, didn't, they don't exist. And then we said, okay, well, let's make it a, a palm tree. Well, it's not easy to find palm trees either, right? So I went to the little nursery over here, um, Little Sprouts, and uh, it's got the 
post office and the lights on it. And I talked to Steve, the owner, and he said, uh, hey, could, could we borrow a plant? He said, well, what kind of plant do you need? I said, I need a Papua New Guinea-ish looking plant. And he says, what does that look like? I said, I have no idea, but it's kind of jungle. And I said, that thing right there looks like it'd work pretty good. And uh, he says, well, do you want to buy it? I said, no, I really don't want to buy it because I don't have any place to keep it. I just want to borrow it for two weekends. Can I rent it from you? And, uh, and so after I talked to him for a while, he started figuring out what we were trying to do. And he heard about Scott and Noel. And he says, you know what? Why don't you just use it for two weekends? So he's loaned us that plant for two weekends so it can look Papua New Guinea-ish. And, uh, and so we've got that there. But on that table, what you're going to find is uh, these cards here uh, on the right side of the thing. And what you're going to find is items. Pra- they're very practical items that they will need for when they're over in Papua New Guinea. And so like flashlights, like tarps, like Ziploc bags, like uh, things like that. Uh, some of them will be more expensive, some of them least expensive. Some of them you may already have at home, all right? And you don't even need to purchase them. You just need to get them to Scott and Noel. And so what we're going to do uh, this Sunday and next Sunday is, and our encouragement is to do this as a family, is to walk over that table together, look at something as a family and say, which, was there anything on this table we'd want to own and get for Scott and Noel? And kind of do it as a family project together. And uh, what you'll find is it's like a wedding registry. So ladies, you know how that works, right? Guys, we have no clue, but your wives will help us. And, uh, and only this one is for REI and Amazon. So guys, cool, cool list, right? And uh, what you do is you grab the thing, you go on the REI or the Amazon for the ones that are on there, and you pick out that item and you uh, enter it in the registry, you pay for it, and then that will get shipped to Scott and Noel and uh, it will be sent to their house, right? And so once that goes off the list, then we know that item's taken care of. So anything that's left on the table, we know are still things that we still have to, to be able to get for them. Uh, uh, Scott will be telling, what Scott did say, uh, I told him, let me do this part because if you do that part, it sounds like you're, asking for a bunch of stuff. I said, if I do this part, it sounds like we are supporting you. So, uh, But he's going to come back next week and he'll tell us what stuff does not have to be new. He said, there are some things that do not have to be new. That It just might be stuff you have in your garage that we need. And so he'll do a better job explaining that next week. So um, watch for that and, and come back uh, next week. Then, So here's the three ways that we've, we've talked about. One, is that you can uh, go out to the table in the lobby. And um, and by the way, if you go to Little Sprouts Nursery, uh, thank Steve and say, hey, thanks for the plant. That was so cool for our church. And, and do that. I'm going to take him out to lunch for doing that. So he thought that was a fair trade. So that's a good deal. But uh, you have the table in the lobby. Two is cash gifts. Now, if you take your envelope, uh, I mean your bulletin, <clears throat> my mouth isn't working take your bulletin inside you're going to find an envelope and a card like this Uh, i better show their picture here's their picture so cash gifts are this this is the thank offering part every year we grab a missionary we're going to do a thank offering for and this year it's scott noel so if you want to give them a cash gift then what you do is write out your check or whatever put it in this envelope make your check out to northview all right make your check out to northview community church in this envelope, it can go in any of the collection boxes by the doors there, or you can come back next week and do it and drop it in the offering plate. That will all go to Diana. She'll take those checks or cash, whatever comes in. 
She will roll that into one account, find the amount, and then take that amount, write a check to Finisterre Ministries down in Arizona. Joey will take the check then and give that to Scott and Noel, and they'll have that as the thank offering Sunday to kick off their campaign to be able to get started for building their fund. They have to raise $50,000 in startup funds just to get there. All right. So, and Scott will tell us where they are in that process next week. If you would like to give monthly, the process is a little different. If you see this card with their picture on it, if you take and flip the card around, go ahead and do that. Just look on the back. It has an address. If you would like to support them monthly, what you do is you would write a check and then you would write it to this address on the back of the card and say, we would like to support Scott Noel for this much for this length of time. And you know how many of us support missionaries, so you know how that works. And uh, then you could start beginning to support them. They are starting to collect monthly support now because about halfway through the year, Scott's going to have to quit his job so that they can start to get everything ready and they're going to need to have support raised before they go. So if we feel led to do that, then that's how you would do that. Does that make sense? All right. Super deal. Great people. Come back next week. I think you're going to be really blessed by it. Let's uh, wrap this up this morning. So what's our first step in supporting Scott and Noel as they head towards Papua New Guinea? Well, I want to suggest it's the same one that the Macedonian churches did. We need to give ourselves to the Lord first. Before we think about what we'd give, before any of that or what we're called to, give ourselves to Jesus Christ in a living way for what we would do. Paul says this, and this not as we expected. In other words, Paul was blown away. And then Paul's a hard guy to blow away. Hard guy to catch by surprise. He was caught by their sincerity. He said, you know what? I did not expect this. They didn't just give us a gift. They first committed themselves to the Lord. And then out of that, they gave a gift. He says, like those early churches did, we must first give ourselves to the Lord because it's his grace that allows us to extend grace to others. Pause for just a second. What did it cost for grace to be extended to you? What did it cost for grace to find you so that you would be saved and you'd be washed and that you'd be cleansed and that you'd be adopted and be called actual son or daughter? What, what was the cost to that? And then when you get in touch with the cost of that, you suddenly realize some incredible things have been extended to us. And just like these churches, the Macedonian churches, when we think of what it took for our Lord Jesus to extend grace to us, right? If you recognize grace has been extended to you, it's easy to extend grace to others. It says, what it took for our Lord Jesus to extend his grace to us, the incredible cost of standing in our stead to pay for our sins, then it's not hard to extend grace to others. And so I want to just stop for a minute and do that. I'm going to call the worship team forward this morning and... uh, Gang, come on up. We're going to sing a consecration song. Now, there's a word we don't use very often anymore either. But consecration means we place ourselves before the Lord. We give ourselves to the Lord first. And I thought, why not do that this morning? Why not stop and pause and give ourselves to the Lord? And so I'm going to have some time where we do that. So would you stand with me this morning? And what I want to do is pray and then give you a few moments to think about what, what does it mean for you to recalibrate? 
Maybe you don't need to recalibrate at all. Maybe you're on a hot streak right now and you and Jesus are really tracking. Very cool. Stay there. Okay. But for some of you, the holidays, the pressures, stuff may have knocked your little cars. What would it be to recalibrate and to consecrate before you sing a song to the Lord in regards to these two needs on Thank Offering Sunday? Before you give anything for anything, let's give ourselves to Jesus first. So I'm going to give you a few minutes. Would you join me? Father, as we stop this morning... We, as your son and daughters, pause to give ourselves to you, to consecrate, to give ourselves to you. If we asked, what is it you really want? That would be us. You would want our heart. You'd want our devotion. You'd want us to lay other things aside that are robbing that or distracting that or stealing from that. And so we want to do that this morning. We want to stop and give you a moment where we can concentrate and we can consecrate and your spirit and talk to us about what you'd like us to do. Again, Father, you may not ask any of us to do the same thing, but we will all be asked to do similar things. So we seek you in the next few moments for you to be with us and us to give ourselves to you and for you to speak to us.